Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I want to give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. Kids and money. I believe just about everybody out there, once you have a child, the whole world changes. You develop and find a love for another human being in a different way than a spouse or a family member or a friend. And when we get these children, we want what's best for them. We want them to grow up, be solid citizens, contribute to society, and make a lot of good decisions. Today, we wanted to talk about kids and money with you. And the reason is because this is something that's sorely lacking for our children partly because of us as parents and partly because society just doesn't do a good job in any way of helping them. So hopefully we can shed a little light and give you some tools to help them. T. Rowe Price is an investment company. They recently had a study about kids and money. And what they learned was that more than two-thirds of us parents are reluctant to discuss money with our children. Shocking, but it's true. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy statistic. Furthermore, though, only two-thirds actually talk about money when their children ask. To me, that's more surprising. Your children are asking, and only two-thirds of us decide to engage in the conversation. And so we bring this up because Ed and I have both, both experienced, especially lately, when we run financial plans with our own clients and the ever-changing livelihoods that they have, a common goal is making sure that their children are well-equipped for a, a financial life that they can be confident in for them. Whether that's getting them off the payroll, whether that's allowing them to make strong financial decisions both now and in the future, they want to be sure their children are set up well. And today what we want to do is, is bring to light some of these behaviors uh, to help you have these conversations early on. I believe this is extremely apropos because of what happened yesterday with the Chicago Bulls. Why do I say this, James? Uh, enlighten us, Ed. So the Chicago Bulls, I'm a big NBA fan, as most of you know now. Uh, the Chicago Bulls signed a new player. He was a free agent, and they brought him in. His name's Lonzo Ball. And the reason I bring this up is not because he's an NBA player. Why Why am I bringing it up, James? So... Uh, if you're an NBA fan and you haven't heard of the name Lonzo Ball, there's something wrong with you, I think, right? Right. And it's not because generally of his NBA prowess. No, no. It is not very little to do with his talents on the court. No. In <laughs> we'll fact, it. it's really mostly due to his father. That's why we're talking about it. So he's an extreme example of what we're trying not to have you do when it comes to kids and money. And even we though it's not Mar isn't listening. But uh, I think he's a perfect example. Yeah, I don't know if Lamar is going to listen to our podcast. So <laughs> Lamar is his father. Lamar controlled. He has uh, three boys, and Lonzo's the oldest, who's an incredible basketball player. Uh, Lamelo is the second oldest, and he is uh, even better. 
He was yeah. drafted last year. Um, and Lonzo has controlled his boys' lives throughout their childhood. Lamar's controlled Lonzo's lives, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And uh, uh, has done it into a crazy way and extent where, you know, he's it's made his boys' lives difficult. Um, we're encouraging you not to do that when it comes to money. Um, we're encouraging you to help educate and teach your kids so they can be fruitful and successful with it going forward. So this uh, the reason why all these statistics we're bringing you about, you know, parents not talking to their kids and why they don't want to is, um, you know, because it's uncomfortable. You know, part of the reason it's uncomfortable is some parents just don't feel that super confident that they've done a great job themselves. And also there's just a lot around that. They don't want their kids to kind of mess it up just like maybe if they did or whatever the case may be. I, I actually have a story. There's a woman, this was a number of years ago, that I learned about who was a teacher. She became a teacher. She grew up in the Western suburbs, somewhere in the Western suburbs of Chicago. And uh, she got accepted to a number of colleges and she decided to go to Butler University. Good school. Great school, incredible school. And her parents um, said, great, go wherever you want. And so she went there to become a teacher, which was awesome graduated with great grades and became a teacher. And then couple, then she becomes a teacher. She gets her first job. And as we know, teachers get paid decently, but not incredibly. And her father, after she graduates, comes to her and says, here's the deal. If you remember, and she didn't remember, when you first went to college, we said we couldn't afford it. So we both signed some forms and took out loans in the course of more than $200,000. And so, so you now are going to pay for half of them, like $125,000 in loans, and we'll pay for the other half. And she was like, what? She had no idea. Like, probably some, she's 18 and her parents are like, yeah, you know, in order for the pay for school, blah, blah, blah. So she just didn't have any idea. And so now she's being saddled with this big loan. And yeah, part of it's her responsibility, but part of it was her parents really probably had no concept of money in an appropriate way. You know, there's some incredible schools where you can go and get a teaching, you know, become a, a teacher and not have nearly that much, right? I mean, we know sometimes you have to borrow money, but there's an example of parents not helping their children, you know, when it comes to one money decision. Yeah. And that's one of many, but... You know, education, incredibly important. Ed and I both agree, agree on that topic. Um, and and the, with the student loan conundrum that we're in right now, that is a one example, albeit a big one, one example of some of the behaviors early on that weren't uh, learned. And because those behaviors weren't learned, when you have a, a big, big problem with, with taking on student debt, not knowing what you're getting into, that's when we have, you know, uh, the issues that we have. And so we don't want to focus on student debt, but it's it's a perfect example as to, um, you know, how we want to avoid situations like these and, and help our kids, teach our kids the way we want to, um, and instead of just how they're supposed to be taught. So it, it, there's a difference. Big picture, there is a big difference between knowing about money and understanding how it works. And hopefully we can help you help your children understand some of those things. Really, there's, uh, you know, concerns about not talking about money with your kids. 
you know, problem is if if you don't do this, then they're going to learn it somewhere else. They're going to figure it out on their own. The world's going to teach them. And as we know, if you allow the world to teach your children, uh, oftentimes it's not going to be the best way. You know, it makes me think about D.A.R.E., drug abuse resistance education and how that's taught early on in schools and mm-hmm. you know children will learn about that uh if they're not taught through day or programs or what have you they'll learn about that later on and and perhaps not in the best way possible similar concept here with money they will learn about it i think it's right you're right it's just a matter of how and if we can get ahead of that teach them our ways uh, we'll put them on a better path well you you just mentioned something schools you said and that just pops in my head you know i have consistently been thinking both in high school and in college, how I believe the schools have failed our children. I believe there is an incredible opportunity uh, for high schools each year to maybe teach them a little bit, have one kind of class that will teach them a little bit as they progress through high school. And uh, when they get out of high school, it will help them make these decisions even on loans or or when they do make money, but it's not happening. So us as parents are going to have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think well said. You know, the the final point before we get into our 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 step-by-step plan that we've created for you is is th- thinking about uh the incentive you have outside of wanting what's best for your children, the incentive you have to discuss money with your kids. We cannot stress enough how many times our, our clients tell us, "Well, I can do that when my children's off the payroll." Or you know, I want to travel more often, but the kids are still at home or whatever that might look like. Once your children are financially free and independently happy and you're you're in that position that you want both of you to be, uh, there's a big weight off your shoulders. And we've seen that happen. And so just think about that, too, depending on, again, your priorities. Everyone's different here. Uh, but depending on your priorities, uh, making sure that, again, you, you, you begin with that end in mind. Definitely. I mean, that it can be super powerful, but it can be powerful in both ways. If, if not, if your children are not equipped properly, uh, they may be on the payroll longer. If you, if you decide or want to continue to help them, if they can't make these choices on their own. And we all know we are creatures of habit, meaning we all make most of our decisions in life based upon habits that we have. And if your habits are good about money, saving money, investing money, making good choices about money, it puts you on an incredible path. If not, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, the, the one area, one main area that children have a significant advantage over their parents, significant advantage is time. I want to share a little story about our, our friend Warren Buffett. I think he's the third or fourth wealthiest person. It depends on when and what happens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, he's constantly Check in the, the stock top, market top and view then, yeah, all the time. Yep. Exactly. Very, very wealthy gentleman. His investment returns, if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this, but to give the picture, 13, 14% annual returns a year on yeah, average. Better than the stock market in general, but there are other people who have done better than him over time. Exactly. Exactly. Good, good investor, definitely not the best ever, but he's considered to be the best ever. Right. By, by very many people. Why? The guy started investing. I kid you not. The guy started investing at 12 years old. He had a paper route and uh, he drove his bicycle and he started delivering papers and collected, you know, five cents here, six cents there. And 
immediately his behaviors started thinking, I want to build wealth through saving and investing. And he was wanting to learn everything about that. And he started at 12. Well, he's, gosh, 90 years old right now. He has a, what is that? Let's 70 year, 80 year runway at least mm -hmm. before. It's a uh, lot of compounding. It's a lot of compounding. Time was on his side. He started early and that's where a lot of his wealth was built. The last 20 years of his life, um, that's where the majority of his wealth is, is, is through that compounding. And so um, if kids learn this early, th they're going to be on a great path. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's dive right in. You know, we've got a seven-step playbook that we believe can help you in this area. The first one is just explaining kind of money to children. Now, we realize there's really kind of younger children and then older kind of children who are going to be in the tween and teen years. And they're going to see and understand money a little differently. A lot of these things will apply similarly, but you're going to have to adjust based upon the age of the children. Um, there's some great questions out there that you and your spouse will want to kind of decide how do we want to talk to our children about money because you may see things a little differently, but you may want to get on the same page because it'll provide a much clearer picture and be consistent. Yeah, the, the, the short of it is explaining monetary values. Why does money exist? Why did you personally as parents make the money decisions you made? Right at the end of the day, it's just a number on a screen. It's what we do with the money that that makes it powerful, makes it impactful. Especially as a child, it makes them want to become motivated. And so, you know, some of the questions we'll post a lot of these on the uh, on the show notes. But some of the questions are, you know, why did you work hard to acquire the wealth you did? What sacrifices did you make along the way? Things of that nature. So uh, there's a, there's a bunch of good questions that we have. Uh, we will put these in the show notes for you later too, just to kind of, you know, mull them over a little bit and see if they can be helpful. Yeah. Those heart to heart conversations with your child is step, step yeah. number one. Number two, teaching your child how to earn money. Emphasis on earn, right, Ed? Definitely. Yeah. You know, people oftentimes give their kids allowance. If you just give your kids an allowance just to give them money, they don't learn anything about this. They don't realize that they're earning it, you know? And it's good for children to have chores. It's good for children to make their bed or whatever the case may be. But as uh, Scott in our office said, he does this, he does a good job of it, and he way overpays for the work they're doing. But it's great that he's doing that because they're going to understand that I do something, I earn it. That's much different than just being given that. Yeah, it's a different feeling. You mentioned yourself, Ed, with your daughter, you know, when she had her first paycheck, there, it was a very different feeling she had than than receiving money just by, you know, a standard allowance throughout any work whatsoever. Yeah, she saw the money very differently. She specifically said that than when she was used to getting, you know, money for doing chores or whatever. She just saw it differently somehow. Yeah. So, so step number two, teaching how to earn it versus being given it. Uh, step number three, uh, and by the way, on, on this topic, a lot of these steps, you can you can talk with your children early on, early on, meaning eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and some of these are going to apply later on and, and some in between. Uh, later on, what we mean there is, you know, 16, 17, 18, all the way through 25, 26. You know, once they can start making money from someone else other than allowance, it introduces the new idea of taxes. So when they're young, obviously, that I, I'm not sure how fruitful that is to talk, but um, I got a great example of this. So my 
children all started, we encouraged them to start getting jobs as early as they can. You know, sometimes uh, it might be around 15, 16, 17 years old. So my son was used to, he had had a couple of jobs where he was earning money and they pulled a little money out for taxes like they do for everybody. And then when, uh, when his tax return was done and each of my children were used to getting, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, $70 of, you know, their, their earnings were so low that they were reimbursed the money that was pulled out. So, uh, just actually this last year in 2020, my son actually had three different jobs going into COVID earlier in the year. He was selling knives through a company called Cutco. Actually, love the knives. I bought some of them. They're awesome. They're great knives. Um, they're not cheap, but they're really good that's knives. That's exactly right. Um, but that job he had with Cutco, he was considered what's called a 1099 employee. And that means that Cutco does not pull taxes out. They give you all of the money up front. Most employers will pull the money, pull pull the taxes out on your behalf if you're an employee, um, what's called W-2 employee. So he had a couple other jobs throughout the year where he earned other money. Well, he made a decent amount of money throughout the year. And once tax time came, he didn't earn it. He didn't actually have enough pulled out in taxes where he had to now pay the government because of all the money he made for Cutco. And he was like floored. He didn't understand it. It was a great teaching moment and a painful one for him because he had to pay over $100 in taxes. So it's important. Number four, teach the difference between savings and spending. I know it sounds simple, but to a 10-year-old, spending is typically the first thing they think of. Is I have this money, I want the next candy bar, I want a new toy, I want what have you. Um, I'm going to share a personal story of, of myself as I think I was 13 years old. And it was my first lesson to myself on savings. Now... Um, the savings was meant for something to spend on, but uh, I was taught patience. And uh, what happened was I was I was given an allowance, and I had to earn my allowance. My parents did a wonderful job of that with me. Um, and I wanted, I'm, I'm, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. We all know that by now, I hope. Um, I wanted to watch the Cubs games on TV, and we only had one TV in the house. And I was tired of sharing the television with my siblings or my parents. When the Cubs were on, I wanted to be parked, sitting, watching TV, uh, watching the Cubs. And so I decided I wanted to save up for my own TV. And uh, I can't remember how much the TVs cost back then. I'm guessing $150 or so. Um, I earn, I think, $5 a week doing bathroom chores, everything else. Well, run the math. I think it took me a summer or so after that I was able to afford my TV and that was a, it was a great feeling for myself. So it was it was spending but it was also saving. It was understanding that park some money away for a later day and um you know it was it was it was helpful. Definitely. Yeah. When people when kids will earn money, this is an incredible opportunity to be able to use it. One of the methods we used was um uh, let's say you have $10 that you have been uh, made in the form of, I don't think we paid that much in allowance initially, but let's say you had $10 just for easy math. What we would say to them is divide that up. A certain amount of it is to spend, but other pieces you want to set aside for saving. So for example, we would say six out of the $10 is for you to spend immediately if you want. 
but you should set aside $2 for savings and another dollar for maybe charity. So we wanted to encourage our kids to um, set aside money to help others with that. And then maybe another dollar into like a gift account. For example, like if their brother or sister is going to have a birthday or, or grandma, or grandpa. So like a form of charity to like people you care about, like friends and family, and then maybe a charity. We want to encourage them to do that. Uh, and so it's this learning and habit of dividing the money up for different purposes. And then that $2 of that savings can go into a benefit that'll benefit you down the road. Kind of like Warren did. It sounds like he did more than just two, 20%. <laughs> right. But you know, the, the behavior is, is the important part there. And I think that that hit it home perfectly. Uh, another route to incentivize savings is we all know our 401ks have some matching. You as a parent can match what they save, help encourage them. You know, it's up to you to decide if you want to go that route, but it's, it's a thought. It's something where you can tell your children, look, for every $2 you put away yourself, I'll, I'll match you. I'll give you a dollar. In some way, shape, or form. And then also um, the next step is now taking that savings. So step number five is taking that savings and teaching them investing. So an example of that would be if your children are younger and they don't put it in a bank and like an actual savings account, you could become. So they, you create like a piggy bank. Maybe you have a couple piggy banks. One is for the investing piece. Another one is for kind of like the gifting piece. The piggy bank that has the investing in there, you could say to them, if you put money in here at the end of each year, whatever is in there, you could give them some form of interest, you know, 10% interest or 20% interest and say, you know, you accumulated $20 and we will put in now two more dollars at the end of every year that you have in there. We'll, you, you can create some kind of interest and show them how that works. And show them that that, and then when they get old enough, then you can turn around and have them put it in a bank. Unfortunately, the banks don't pay much in interest right now, but, and then also use that as an opportunity to show them they could start investing it. Yeah. Investing, you know, Buffett is the, is the example of the earlier, the better, um, you know, so, uh, in, investing overall, very important topic. We've talked about that in the past, teach them how you want to teach them with investing, but don't ignore that piece when you, when you're saving money. Step number six. Ask your child what they would like to do with their earned money. After we bring up this education, ask them what they would like to do. And I know some of us listening might say, he's going to give me the wrong answer. She's going to give me something I don't like. But in order to create buy-in for your child, they need to feel empowered. They need to feel like it's with this information they have, they need to feel equipped to make decisions for themselves. It's the joke we have when you tell your kid, child, don't touch that. What do they want to do? They want to touch it. And so if you teach them, this is how you need to do it, they're probably not going to want to do it You're going to force them, right. Now, some of these things that we mentioned before will help encourage them. Like if you put money in there, we'll put some more money in there. If you put money in there and leave it, we'll put more money that will be in the form of interest. So the matching, the interest, this will... This will help build good habits in order to do that. Exactly. And, and it, when you do empower them to some degree, to your point, Ed, um, the follow-up point I think is, is really good to ask them is, is why. Mm -hmm. 
So your child says, I'm going to spend 90% of my money and I'm going to save 10%. Okay, why did you make that decision? Walk me through it. And that should help give you a sense on where they're at and how, how else you might want to, you know, educate them as, as they get older. Definitely. So the last one, number seven, once your children are becoming these teens, young adults, it, it might there might be a certain time where you can set them up with a financial expert when they're a little bit older. And why I say that is because dear mom and dad, it's great. You got to put them on the right path, but eventually they're, they're going to need and listen to, truthfully listen to a financial expert. It might be if you have a financial advisor, you know, we have clients that come to us and say, oh, by the way, can you like help our kids? We're like, yeah, we'd love to help your kids put them on the right path. Sometimes, you know, just recently, Nathan's best friend and sister um, came in and they had gotten a little bit of money from grandma and grandpa and wanted to know what do we do with it. And so I kind of went through the whole process and they already knew some of this stuff, but you know, they definitely are going to listen to me a little more than, than their father who would say things. Yeah. I, if you're in the spot where you, you honestly believe, and you have to be honest with yourselves on this, you honestly believe that your kids look up to you in every aspect of life, uh, more power to you. That's wonderful. That's more the exception. Not that you did many things wrong. It's just children. And I, I recall this as a child myself, you know, mine, my son is, is too young to, to know, uh, to, to go against dad right now, but he will. And, uh, you know, when I was a child, uh, some of the things that I looked up to my parents for versus others that I didn't, it's just the nature of being a child and, and growing up in adolescence. So, um, being a third party, we bring up the financial expert because being a third party, a mentor on the money front, on the finance front, um, uh, being a third party is helpful. It provides that unique perspective. So we have the seven steps um, that we've created through a lot of research we've done, through a lot of uh, talking with our clients. And we will post these on the show notes. Uh, again, hope this is helpful. In conclusion, depending on your child's age, some of these will apply, some of these will not. But if you master half of them, uh, you're going to put, again, your child on a really good trajectory towards financial success, financial freedom, which is what it's all about. That Yeah, it, 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 you will give them, this will be one of the best gifts you could ever give them. Literally just learning all about this versus uh, helping them in other areas, which is incredible too, but this this would be one of the best gifts you could do. So we, we hope we hope this helps. And and the uh, the other gift we're gonna give you today that you, you can make for your children is a recipe. Is that right, Ed? It's a recipe, yes. It's uh, in fact, uh, this just happened. Uh, so it's a recipe I've been making for a long time. It's called lemon chicken. And my daughter, who's 26, called me about a month and a half ago and said, Dad, what's that recipe? And so I, I gave it to her. And then uh, we just got back uh, spending a couple of weeks with her and my grandson and son-in-law at the lake house. And she told me when she got there, she's like, oh, I made the recipe. It was incredible. So it's super easy. It's called lemon chicken. What it is is probably the most important piece to it um, is making sure that you use the chicken breasts. What it is, it's very thinly sliced chicken breasts that are breaded, cooked in a frying pan, and then uh, it's got a white wine sauce and some lemon juice and some garlic. And that's the sauce that kind of goes on the chicken when you're done cooking it. It's super easy. Like this is one of the easiest recipes that 
it might be the easiest recipe besides that's that uh that's slow cooker crock pot thing that i was talking about or the egg and the banana that the, was yeah one. that's pretty easy one too you're <laughs> right about that the egg and the banana but i will say that uh, uh you know as long as you uh people like a little bit of lemon uh it, it's great um and so we'll post that on there and uh we'd love to hear from you and see if you think it's good as well wonderful Good stuff. Appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And should we conclude with Go Bulls? Go Bulls, yeah. Let's, let's see what the season brings. Enjoy. We'll talk to you next time. I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice, and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.